from here on out, every foul is flagrant, boy. Let's go. You are now tuned into the chat room, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. Welcome back to the chat room podcast. I am the senator and this is episode number 10. We have made it to episode 10 on season two. Can you believe that, fellas? Hey, we're here. We're here. We're here. We're here, we made it. <laughs> I don't know about made it, but we're here, man. We're, we we know. made it to a point, but we can <laughs> yeah, always make exactly. it. Bigger. That's so what I made mean. To a point, yeah. <laughs> um. So as you guys can already tell, we got fanfare in the building. What's going on? We also got coach in the building. What to do? What to do? And on this episode, the best way to kind of put it is, we are honored to have two really great guests that are about to come on to really discuss uh, something that needs to be discussed within our culture a lot more. And we're gonna be talking about some mental health stuff and a lot more stuff coming with that. So first we got Naomi. Yes, hello. (laughs) And we also got Baz. Hey. Ladies, thank you very much for joining us today. And- We are hoping we are hoping that we can keep the conversation fun, but at the same time, very educational. So let's go. Let's jump into the first thing. So COVID has been a battle for everyone and everyone's been dealing with it and going through it in their own ways. And we know like mental health is a big thing, especially during this time. But if you could live anywhere in the world rent free for a year. Where would you go? That's tough. I mean, I'll say this out the gate. You know, it's All Star All Star Sunday, but I would not want to live in Atlanta. <laughs> so I'll say that out the gate. <laughs> That's where I would not want to live. But um, especially so, since so you're gonna choose Florida? Nah, 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 <laughs> nah, nah. None of the us. Nah, I'll pass Georgia, Atlanta, Florida. Nah, I'm good. I'll... Oh, so <laughs> Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said nah, none I mean, of the odds. You didn't say nothing about Texas. So all right, well, that's a another amendment, I guess. But um right. where where I want to live, I mean, I love I love Canada. So I'm, I'm I mean, you know, I, I love Canada, but I think anywhere else would probably be like New York, I don't know, Jamaica, I don't know. Somewhere where it's fun and exciting. So one of those two places. Oh, so Queens. I'm not, I'm not trying to get beat up a lot, so. <laughs> but you wanted to go to Jamaica, New York. So no, nah, not Jamaica Ave, man. Nah, okay. not Jamaica Ave, man. Nah. Right, just just got to make sure. I got to make sure. No, nah, I'm trying to go. Yeah, one of those two places. But where am I is good. But yeah, one, one of those two places. Okay. Ladies, what about you guys? Well, I have a question. Is this with COVID like happening or is COVID like not a thing in this situation? That's a good question. Mm, that's, that's a, a big question. question. That's a valid question, yeah. Let's mm. say this is post-COVID and oh. everybody is safe now. And post-COVID. We're dealing, post, post-COVID. And now we're just worrying about uh, the mad bird, mad bird disease and the mad cow disease. <laughs> oh, comes. Oh, my so it's a whole, a whole nother thing. <laughs> Um, okay, so then I think I know what I would say. Um, it would be between New York or the south of France. Um, the reason I say south of France is because it's probably one of my favorite places in the world. And you also still have like access to like the sun, the beach, but you still mm. have like, um, I guess the cultural aspect, like the fashion and all that. So it's still a city with a beach. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't, I can't see myself like going to the States other than New York right now. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, like I thought about California, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I actually think I would stay away from the States completely. 
Like after everything that's gone on in the last four years, that's valid, I'm, yeah, that's valid, yeah. Very I'm gonna need yeah. another four, at least two to four years before I feel like re-entering the United States yeah. of America for anything <laughs> other than like NBA purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think I would either live in Jamaica or in Grenada for the year. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I love Canada, so I would never permanently stay there. But if I could go Likewise. for a year and work remotely, um. I think it would have to be one of those two places. Makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. Dwayne. Yeah. People that know me, um, I probably <laughs> the first the first place I probably go to is I'd probably live in Japan. I oh. definitely I love the culture. Yeah. I love the and I'm probably the only one of um out of the people in this group. I'll be the first one to have a robot that like serves me my food and does my clothes <laughs> and everything like that. So I'll have like a robot servant. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I love the, the, the technology is advanced out there. I'm probably going to have a robot for myself, so I'll be the first. Yeah, you know, some people right, don't man. don't take advice from Will Smith. Eh? You you saw iRobot, man. I ain't trying I to robot, have one of those. Hey, man. What's that? What's the other one? Uh, Big Hero Six is is, is, is is that the one where the, the kids one? The kids movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah That's Big, Hero Six. Big Hero yeah. Six. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, as for me. I think I'd want to go somewhere that I've never been to before. I think like I would want to be able to go somewhere where I could actually like spend the year and doing adventures and stuff like that. So Saskatchewan. No, I've been to Saskatchewan. (laughs) I've been, I've been to Saskatchewan. So (laughs) my, uh, my place would probably be Bali or Bali, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Bali, Bali. Just, just because I think, uh, it's not that expensive, but from the people that I know that has gone there and told me that they've been there for like a two weeks, they said that's not even enough time to really see the whole culture and everything like that. Right. So that would be my choice for sure. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good choice. Look at you, man. I was going to say another reason why, but (laughs) we have some distinguished guests on this one. So if this was another episode, it would have been a different answer. Um, So just a quick question for everyone. We've all traveled at some point. We've all been on an airplane. What's your favorite seat on the airplane? Business class. Whoa, whoa, Rich first class. Come on, guy. Come on. I've never man. been in business class before. It was good. So business class for me in the front of the plane, like the direct front, because there's lots of right leg room. <laughs> well, okay. So so my answer would kind of be like that because like I like the emergency exit by the window. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's where I sit. Emergency exit by the window because when that once I'm like anyone who's traveled with me know that like I don't get up. So like once I'm in my seat, I don't want to I don't want to get up, I don't want to move, I don't want to do nothing because for one, I have a partial fear of heights, and for two, I just don't want to move anywhere. So I got a follow-up question to you, coach though. Okay, okay. So I oh my god. Okay, so by the window for one, and then legroom in the uh, fire exit. So okay, Ooh. ladies, before I, before you guys tell me your seat, my question to you is I know you lied to them when they ask you those questions. Like, I do. Are, do you know so, the rules? Do you know funny. what happens if something that's was okay. to happen? Like you're, well, you're like, out there just. Well, like yes and no. Like, like because like the, like I guess the thought process or the hope is that like you're like the last person off the plane or like you know like you're you're showing you know like all that stuff. Like I don't I don't listen to that. You know I just have my headphones in whatever. But. Um, He's gonna yeah. jump off the plane and be the first person to encourage everyone. You guys follow me. Come follow on, follow me. me. Yeah, that's gonna be me. Come on, follow me. This way, guys. This way. No, I'm lying. If it's water there, I'll, I'll be the last person there. Facts. Can't swim. Uh, ladies. <laughs> um. Honestly, that's usually like if you can't get business, that's the closest thing you can get to business class. Is all that leg room. I always do window seat though, cause. I'm the same where like once I'm like I'm sitting, I'm not getting up. And the last thing I want is to be sleeping and someone like waking me up in the middle of the yep. sleep. Because it took me a lot to get into Fall the sleep. Yeah, yeah, situation right now. So yeah, that would probably be it. Um yeah. So window seat, if not by the exit. But I didn't know you had to be the last one off. They don't like Cause I'm not doing that. Yeah, me either. Like they don't, they don't like, like 
once they do that, the um, like the the like they give you the instructions or whatever, like the the rules, or whatever. Like they don't say you have to do it, but like everything that I've looked online. And everything else, everything else. No, they me. tell they tell you. They You're tell just you, not oh, listening. They tell you. They say like, they say your role is I've to seen. open to open, open the window. The door. Yeah, and and make open sure the door off. and make sure everyone gets off. Yeah. Which means you have to be that last person to make sure that everyone gets off. And then yeah. So I mean that's it's a lot of responsibility being an emergency, an emergency <laughs> exit, just so you know. I mean all right. um i i actually have a story where i got actually bumped from like just regular to business or first class and it was amazing so i will always say first class because uh, (laughs) like room is literally ridiculous yeah they're giving me like endless drinks i was Mm -hmm. like wait i don't have to pay for this they're like no no they're like do you want this moist towelette and i was like this is a real thing i saw it on movies but that was it um and if not I do not sleep on plane rides. I can't sleep in car rides. I'm the type of person like I need to see everything. So I also like the window seat because I actually like my, I love the takeoff and the landing. I love watching mm. everything. That's my favorite part. So window seats or first class. So I'll agree with you guys about business business class. I got bumped up. I got hold on. I got I got bumped up once, but it was on a short trip from Saskatchewan to Calgary. So I only got to enjoy it for like an hour, but I made full usage of all the <laughs> unlimited alcohol that I could have. So yeah. that that was a thing. But um, I think they also felt sorry for me because I was in the middle seat between two larger people and <laughs> did not have any uh, elbow room. I couldn't even put my elbow onto the, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's either that or as close to the front door as close to the Mm. like to exit because i hate being at the back of the plane and then you got to wait for everybody else to exit before you can get off the plane so it those are those are my two i will say that i'm clearly clearly not living life because everyone on the podcast i've never been in first class so i'm not living life so my next visit wherever i'm going if i'm going i'm going just take a trip to uh, edmonton 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 that's what I'm doing. Mine, I'm, mine I'm, was in mine was in class. Canada too, so, so that's I, when they bumped me up. So you just gotta fly within Canada and, right. and you're good. Then might get Puerto Rico. Get into this. Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Come okay. on. Okay. What what is going on? <laughs> Puerto Rico first class. This is a fanfare I never knew. <laughs> this is this is why sometimes we don't allow him on the podcast just because he tries to outdo us all. One one by one. Um, All right. So last one for the round table. And then we're going to get into kind of the getting to know our guests more segments. Uh, What is your ideal vacation spot? So we've talked about where you would live for a year and your favorite seat on a plane. But for a one week vacation, where's your ideal vacation spot? start with the ladies first on this one okay i'm actually going to piggyback off of francis is that, is that, is that your name? Yeah. Right. yeah 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 that's cool yeah 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 but like wait no maybe that's the wrong person i'm so sorry up top so, fanfare fanfare me. fanfare fanfare <laughs> okay oh, there you go sorry. fanfare Fanfare, sorry. Francis, you said you said you said Canada. She's not piggybacking off no, of your. I said Jamaica. Your earlier. Yeah. I said Jamaica earlier. Man. Come no, on, man. I know, I know. Yeah, but if I'm gonna bus, live man. in Jamaica for a year, I can't. You know, I don't want to visit there for a week too. I yeah. love Japan. I love the culture. I've always wanted to experience it. But the other thing is, I don't want to live there for a long time because I have a really hard time adjusting to timelines. So I feel like I would just like try to bang it out all in one week, see as much as I could, and then come home and try to regroup. But I think it would be amazing because they have so many different things. Um, I'm really into like the anime scene and stuff. Uh, yeah, I love that's their anime. Me too. I'm a baby. Um, I'm a junkie. Yeah. Like I used to watch all the cartoons, all the Dragon yep. Ball Zs. So I just feel like it would be so amazing to go there and experience everything. My I just want to say... Sailor Moon. I, hmm. 
the greatest, greatest one ever. But yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say, Fanfare, I'm glad you're on this episode because you said you're a junkie and we have some people here that support mental health situations. So I think it, it will work out for you. Don't worry, we got you. We got you. We got you. Oh, look at this. The quips. Got some ammo for the next few podcasts. Um. It's funny you say Japan because I went to Japan for a week and I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's enough time. I w- so I had to go back like that. Yep. <laughs> what it was. Um, so in theory, it's, it's great, but there's just so much to do there. Mm. Um, but where I would go, honestly, it would probably be either Bali. Um, that's definitely somewhere I've, I've wanted to go um, or Greece. I just like, mm. this looks so, and I love Greek food. Like I'm Loki just talking about it right now is making me want to order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So either or just on a beach somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine would be uh, Africa um, mm-hmm. for one. Uh, that, that'd be my number one. And my number two, um, it's tough. Cause like, Somewhere like Rome, Italy, Greece, like somewhere out there, just because like anyone who knows me, like I like uh, like Roman history and like like, like Greek mm-hmm. goddesses and all that stuff, right? Like like my daughter's middle name is Athena mm-hmm. based off of that, right? So like, um, yeah, so that's something that like I, I kind of want to play into a little bit and visit. So yeah, one of those two places. Or four places. You named four places. Yeah, I know, I know. I just want, I just want you <laughs> to, got myself, want you to man. I, I got myself, man. Okay, man. Right. Dwayne. Um, for me, just because I've never been and it's my birthright, Guyana. I've always wanted to go. That's where my birth parents rights. are from. That's where my hey, that's where my family's from. For all I know, I could be for royalty. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's some Come royalty on, out there. I don't know. Royalty, I'm, first class listen. flights. <laughs> What's what what is going on, man? I definitely want to visit Guyana because I know there's lots to see. They have Kaitor Falls, one of the, like the largest waterfalls in the world. So, yeah, I definitely want to go visit where my parents are from and my family. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm very um, tempted right now, but I'm not going to do it. For me, yes, don't do it, please. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Just don't do this. Um, for me, I'm going to go with Spain. I said my ideal plan is within like when COVID ends, that might be my first vacation. It's to do a few days in Spain and maybe one or two days in Ibiza. So that's kind of my ideal vacation spot right now. Okay. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, kind of uh, directing to the ladies and, and the, the guests, the guests in the podcast, sorry. Um, how do you guys get started doing the work you guys do? And like, um, what do you guys enjoy most about that work? Do you want to go first? Want me to go? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it's funny because I was just doing a workshop and I was doing the math as I was talking to these young girls. I was like, yeah, so I've been doing this for seven years. That's crazy. Right. Um, but it started off by accident, like divine accident where um, you know, we're pressured into going to school um, right after high school. And I was like, uh, I guess I'm going to do psychology. Like, that, that, I like, that's interesting to me, I guess. <laughs> like, human mind was always fascinating to me. And I knew I want to work with people. Um, but ironically, um, as I was in school, I started, I hit a wall and I became really, really, really depressed, really, really anxious. And I think a lot of people can identify to that in their early mm-hmm. 20s. That's kind of when, Definitely. Um, For sure. yeah, like mental health kind of um, <clears throat> manifests itself. So I had to drop out. And I guess what got me through that was educating myself because I came from an African household where um, mental health is literally crazy talk, spiritual, pray, you're ungrateful, all that. So it really like nothing made sense. Like everything was just confusion. So I just started to read up about it. I started researching. I started, you know, educating myself. And the more I learned, the more I realized I felt more empowered and the more I healed myself and um, advocated for myself, you know, advocating for the type of therapy I wanted, advocating for, um, you know, whether or not um, 
like, you know, going back to school when I was ready and all that. So it started off very much like on a personal level. And then from that, I started to see people who occupied similar spaces, you know, um, going to therapy and having a white man my, as my therapist it was just a staring competition you know I'm thinking like what's this white man going to tell me about my life you know he has mm-hmm, nothing mm-hmm. to say nothing. yeah yeah so um I started to think about that and then the more I had conversations with my friends um I started to realize even just from where we grew up um in the inner city uh PTSD is a real thing you know but we're not talking about it like that we're talking about you know we're just people are coping by doing certain drugs or drinking or you know, going to strip clubs or whatever, but it's like a lot of that is just a coping mechanism because we don't have access to services, you know, because so it's all these things. So I started to gain a passion for community work as well as um, therapy. So I was like, hey, I'm going to become a therapist. So I'm at school, I'm doing my thing. And then I started working at a clinic and I'm like, this is just a like, no offense, a bunch of white people. Like, this is not the people I want to help. You know, I yeah. really want to be in the spaces with people that I want to help that look like me, that have been through things like me or like my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to find ways to connect with nonprofits um, through social media, um, whether it was through my podcast or uh, through workshops that I held. So it just turned into its own thing. And yeah, now I'm here. I, I would define myself as like a wellness content creator, but I also still want um, the therapy background. So when the time comes, I can hold representation for people who are black and brown like me. That's a that's, that's amazing. Something you said there that was, that was very like profound, like coming from like our background, like I'm, I'm Jamaican, right? Mm-hmm. And Anybody, like any kind of mental health talk in Jamaica household is like foolishness, right? So yeah, hearing so so, so hearing that is definitely uh, speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I like it's so funny because my story is kind of similar, um, has a little bit of another layer to it, um, but very like it's very similar in terms of like my household it's you don't talk about it like I'm Jamaican German and Irish um and I argue you put like three of the ar- angriest people together and you just like <laughs> just kind of just like yeah fine whatever like it's all good right um and so like I kind of grew up not only just be you know being in a household and ironically being the most sensitive of all my siblings but I also grew up as an athlete and I played basketball my entire life Um, I played basketball for 17 years. Um, I was the point guard in college and then I went on to university and everything was really great. I was doing really well. I was thriving. Um, And, you know, I think being an athlete is very interesting because this idea of like mental toughness comes in, right? Like you've got to be mentally tough, like you've got to be strong. So on top of the cultural sort of stigma, then you have on top of this, well, now Mm -hmm. you're uh, like a black athlete, you know what I mean? So not only do you need to be strong in household, you need to be strong on the court. So it got to the point where I became such a perfectionist um, in my third year of university that I was not performing optimally. Like I wasn't performing the way I wanted to. Um, I could do anything in practice, like pull up threes, take anybody off the dribble. Like I had no problems. And then all of a sudden I get to the court and I'm freezing and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, I I really didn't understand at the time. And again, like all through this, not even realizing I had depression and anxiety, like like it, it was just like a whole nother layer. And then in my third year of university, I take this sports psychology course and like, I find out like, oh, there's actually something I can do about the fact that I have, like I'm a maladaptive perfectionist is what what we call it because you can have adaptive perfectionism or maladaptive. It doesn't always necessarily need to be a bad thing. And so in my third year, I'm like, why, why do we not know about this? Like, why don't more people know about the fact that there are what we now call mental skills that you can utilize, right. To benefit your performance and overall well-being. So that was really where it kind of jumped off for me. Then I decided to do my master's. So I have my master's in sports psychology Um, and I just really wanted to provide people with the tools, not only to be able to perform optimally, but again, just be able to recognize that, Hey, like 
if this is something that's occurring, it doesn't necessarily need to be this way. And if you look at a lot of sports psychologists or we call ourselves NPCs, again, kind of like Basma. Did I say, I'm so sorry if I, can I just call you Baz? Cause it's, yeah, that's what okay. I'm <laughs> Yeah, okay. Like kind of like Baz was saying, it's like everybody that I was speaking to was completely white. They're all males. They're all like middle-aged. Some of them are very old like very progressing out of the field and there's all this new information there's all these new things coming and I was just like no we need to start (laughs) one younger we need to normalize this whole discussion not only around you know mental health but also just around like performance and that you don't always have to be tough in order to be effective like people perform all the time like you could be going home you could be in your room, you could be crying and you could go outside and you can still show up. You know what I mean? And you mm-hmm. can still perform and then you can go back home and go back in the room and you can cry. You know what I mean? So for me, it was just not only the layer of being cultured, but also the layer of being an athlete on top of that. I feel like it was just so much and I just needed to spread as much of my message and that information as I could. That's dope. That's dope. Awesome. I think, yeah. I think yeah. one of the great thing about listening to both of you guys' stories is just the impact that cultural household has when it comes to how you're mm-hmm. brought up and seeing you guys both have came from two different types of life, but still had so much similarities when it comes to what brought you to doing what you're doing at the current moment. So I think that's really dope. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, kind of um, playing off of, like, what you kind of said, uh, like, athletes and stuff, like, what do you think, like, what do you guys think are some of the the common struggles, I guess, that, like, athletes or, like, inner city youth kind of deal with the most? Like, what are, like, the most common things that you you think? Mm, Okay. Uh, I'm just going to quickly take this one. So, yeah, I... So, I grew up playing sports, but I would say my direct... um, just looking at that question, I dated my two only boyfriends were professional athletes. Um, and then my close friends also played professionally. So kind of taking that observer like perspective of seeing that culture and that environment um, really showed me insight to this. It's literally a toxic culture. Like I would always say it, it re it is the definition of toxic masculinity, at least for men, of like this toughness, this, um, you know, hyper masculinity, uh, not showing emotion or emotion is weakness, um, you know, not discussing anything and then just using your career as also your your definition of self and the only way to cope with emotions so once you know god forbid you get injured your identity is gone you know your coping mechanism is gone your everything is gone so now um it 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 becomes a very slippery slope for your mental so um just from the outside looking in and you know being that i guess that observer of people that I cared about go through those things I realized a lot of this environment a lot of um the things that are reproduced in those spaces are actually very harmful. Um, Everything down to even just the coping mechanism. So that's just being from like the outside looking in um, and what it's kind of taught. Because if you think about it, I was, I used to say this all the time, young boys look at athletes as their superheroes, right? They're modern. Sure. Like I'm looking at you crazy, you know, he's a superhero. So everyone's trying to be like LeBron, but they're they're emulating the same lifestyle but not everyone has the tools ability ability to do so you know because once you get to that level yeah you're gonna have therapists and you know hopefully you'll have an education but it takes a lot to get there and sure you know everything down to coaching and um you know Mm -hmm. your support system and and look Luck, luck isn't luck. Luck is a, a big part yeah. of that too, you know. Yeah. Um, let's not genetics. Genetics, yeah, all that for sure. <laughs> and like something you kind of mentioned, like which is big. Like I've, like coaching college ball. Like some of the things that I tell the athletes a lot is like, you're you are not a basketball player. Mm. You are somebody who is highly skilled, highly athletic that plays basketball. But once basketball is done. Yeah. like don't 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 like stick yourself onto oh like i'm playing college basketball i'm 
four-time champion, yada, yada, yada. After that's done, what do you have, right? So, like, that's one of the big things. And you kind of uh, spoke on that. And, like, I'm, 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 I'm glad that you did because now hopefully the guys are watching this. They see that coach is not crazy. And I've been saying this for a long time. Like, have a plan after basketball. Like, you know, like, you're not only a basketball player. You're an athlete. You're a, you're a, you're a black male, whatever you are, that happens to play the sport and be really good at the sport. But it's not all you are, right? So... I just want to say one thing. I just want to say one thing to that. And I wanted to kind of just expand this more from just athlete to individuals. So as a person that used to rap in DJ and stuff like that, a lot of times you, you make your persona that. So whatever your rap name was, that whatever image you're trying yeah. to portray, that's what you think that you have to be. And that's not exactly who you are. Who you are is that person that you are 24 hours a day and not the one hour that you might be on stage or the two hours that people are seeing you at a video shoot or something like that. So this, even though that advice was perfect for athletes, I just want to make sure that we are expanding it Inclusive. for everybody too. And just letting people know that you got to be the best you and know who you are and not just mm. the persona that you're trying to become. Yeah, I completely agree. To add on to that too, like I like wrote some stuff down because I was like, well, are we talking about pre-COVID? Because I feel like it when with my specific domain, there's very specific skills that I feel like athletes struggle with. But post-COVID, everyone is experiencing anxiety, whether mm -hmm. it was there or not there from before. Athletes are very good at sort of like mitigating um, their like symptoms because they're so immersed in their exercise. So it's really just like, oh, I'm just going to practice, 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 practice all the time. They're so, you know what I mean? It's kind of like their drug, you know, like how some yeah. people turn to alcohol, you know what I mean? Like some people turn to substance abuse period, other people, they become athletes. Like they just, and you'll hear this a lot from people who like inner city kids who actually do make it, you know, like they didn't come from a good situation. So mm -hmm. their outlet was their sport. And that's amazing. But now that it's kind of come to a halt and it stopped, everybody's now dealing with the repercussions of whatever they've been kind of sweeping under the rug this whole time, right? Um, and again, this mm -hmm. is not to generalize and say everybody has like generalized anxiety or things like that. But that's to say that we are in such an uncertain time right now um, that not only is the athlete or the performer or your overall identity kind of in crisis right now, um, but just from an anxiety standpoint of us not being able to sit down with our thoughts for too long or us not having enough time to really, you know, sit down and think like, how did my day go today? What do I most need? Like, what am I struggling with right now? We don't give ourselves the opportunity to do those things, no matter what position or, you know, performer you kind of, you are, right. Whether you're performing at work, whether you're performing, um, as an athlete, um, and also we're seeing a lot of lack of motivation, which again, like anxiety paired with lack of motivation and people aren't sleeping, you know, like anxiety and depression are kind of really going high right now. Like it's getting really, really um, bad, I would say. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very true. Um, okay. So, I mean, fear of failure is something that like a lot of athletes kind of deal with. Wow. Like, mm -hmm. a, like a like a big skill like, like I know on the college college level for sure like not being what you think that you should be is a big thing yeah. and, and it's a uh, big struggle um what are some ways that like one can kind of mitigate or reduce kind of those attacks and, and those fears is it okay if I start yeah. yes <laughs> yeah okay um for me it's really important to recognize what they are okay this is fear this is not an actual physical property that's blocking your way it's something mental right and so first and foremost i want to know what those fears are okay then i want you to understand that if you're not experiencing failure there's no way you're getting better there is absolutely no way you're getting better at what you're doing you might be coasting you know you might be like performing at some level where you're like okay everything's good but I argue that if you're not like deep diving into that fear, if you're not deep diving into failure, then there's no way your growth is where you want it to be, no matter what level you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my favorite ways, uh, one of my favorite talks 
Um, I watched like the Lewis Howes, I don't know if I said his name right, show, but one time he had Kobe Bryant on, who is like my mental like idol. Like I don't think anybody could have had a more amazing like mentality than Kobe. Um, and he literally asked him like, doesn't it suck to fail? Like, don't you hate it? And he's like, of course I hate it. But, you know, as soon as I recognize that I've lost, now I recognize oh, here are some weaknesses I can exploit for next time. Or here are some things that I didn't do from my end that I'm actually going to implement next time, right? And, and failure teaches you way more than wins will ever, ever do. So it's so important for you to understand and learn from those failures and not necessarily always see them. And in psychology, we talk a lot about reframing, reframing failure so that it's not seen as failure. It's you know, a challenge or it's growth or it's opportunity. So kind of those three things in terms of like recognizing that they're just fears, accepting it as part of your process, and then reframing the way that you're seeing the fear um, is a lot, actually a lot of what I do with, with my athletes. That's smart. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, uh, similar, like I would say similarly as um, Naomi was saying, when it comes to fear, and this could apply to athletes or just anyone, um, I would say not living scared. I think when you live scared, you live small, um, and that inhibits your true potential. I think those who aren't afraid of failure tend to be the most successful. You ask a, a successful person, um, I think the average successful person will say, I wasn't scared to fail, you know? And I think it's that, that whole mindset of reframing and also it literally that quote of you learn more from quote unquote failure than you will ever learn from winning, you know? So to truly become your best self, you must fail. Like that's a must. So really looking at it in that way and saying, okay, well, if I want to be the best, then I have to fail at at some point in this journey, then you will face it head on. You will face it in a way that isn't scared. And I, I almost feel like um, we see fear and we want to run from it. You know, it's a, it's our instinct. You know, that's just something we're taught. Um, but at the same time, the best way to face anxiety or fear is to actually literally face it. You know, put yourself in yeah. uncomfortable situations. Then you minimize um, the power that it actually has so once you once you face failure once you realize okay this is not, not that bad. bad it's not that bad and i can bounce back from it so you end up becoming more confident in those resilience mm-hmm. pardon i said you, you, you end up happening you end up becoming resilient yeah resilient and that's mm-hmm. that's literally the key to success that's amazing that makes sense i agree i had yeah. to face my fear last last uh summer going rafting in calgary and i don't swim so i don't like water and i had a torn achilles so i was in a cast so it was a lot of fears that i had to do at that same time but you know i did it the cast didn't get wet so you know i'm good yeah you're you're a regular paul bunyan (laughs) wow wow All right. So um, what are some important skills to have when dealing with mental health? Okay. I will say um, when it comes to your mental health or any type of, okay, so I look at the mind like a muscle. So it's something you constantly have to work at. I don't think it'll ever be perfect. um, And it's something that is part of your routine, your day-to-day something that I've been using a lot more is um, mental hygiene, you know, so making sure you're taking care and staying on top of that so that it's more preventative versus um, dealing with like anxiety and depression when you stay on top Mm -hmm. of it. So I would say in terms of skills, I would say um, probably just making sure you tend to all your tending to a holistic aspect of your health. So making sure, you know, you have healthy routines in place, balance, um, you know, support system, um, mm-hmm. therapy. When I say therapy, I, I think what's important when I say this is therapy is not always what we think of someone on a couch, you know, talking to us. Therapy could be literally going to the barbershop, could be playing ball, 
It could be, you know, calling up a close friend. So having that outlet that is healthy, a coping mechanism that is healthy. Um, and I think even just educating yourself, you become empowered. So, you know, like I said, that was a big source of my confidence. I didn't understand myself. So I went and I educated myself and that really um, allowed me to stay healthy and on top of it. Yeah, that's actually one thing that I found as well. When um, my family, we all had COVID last year. And yeah, yeah it was really tough on our family. Um, we don't know, we didn't know anybody that had it. As far as we knew, we were the first people that I knew to, to get it. So it was really tough for at least five weeks when we were in the house, couldn't go nowhere. And we didn't really understand COVID. Nobody had any questions or nobody had any answers for us. Answers, so, yeah. Once I was able to kind of go back outside, I was still kind of down. My mind was murky. And mm -hmm. what I was I'm doing was I was just going to the lake, something that simple. I was going to the lake at night, just sitting, watching the water in the moonlight. And it made me feel at ease. So I didn't realize it was that becoming therapeutic for me. But as you said, they just something like going to the barbershop, something innocuous, something as innocuous as going to the lake really helped me through those times. So I definitely it's, agree with it's that. It's like getting a small peace of mind. Like I remember living yeah. in Toronto and anytime I get like really upset, I know if I go for an hour drive, by the time I come back, I'm good. Cause I'm listening to something yeah. that calms me down. I'm by myself, mm -hmm. I'm getting the time. If, if I was gonna continue to be angry, I'm getting angry while I'm there, but I'm letting it out while I'm driving. And then by the time I get back, I'm so calm. So, because it's like, I took myself completely out of what is causing me to be so upset at the time. And then I'm taking that moment to really reflect, like, was it even worth me getting upset at that? Like, could that, mm -hmm. is that really worth somebody allowing somebody to have that power to set you off to that point where you can't control your own anger? So I totally understand. I totally agree with everything that everyone just said. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing on top of that is awareness, because without awareness, you don't even know what is your yeah. peace of mind. You don't know yeah. when your mental health or when your mental state is actually good or bad. And ironically, I, I literally had a huge conversation with there's a group of my colleagues were all together. And this is literally what we we're talking about. And we love to use the analogy of like the traffic light, right? In terms of your mental health, like green is good. Everything's go. Um, yellow is you know like kind of murky we're getting there and then red is really just like well we need to stop like this is this is not it like crisis mm -hmm. and so it would be it was so amazing to have that conversation because as athletes like just bringing it back to this and as most people in society I would say people don't even know like the one to five you know what I mean like from green to yellow you don't even know how you got there you're just yeah. like, oh, you know, everything yeah. was fine. And then something happens or, you know, someone messes up your day or says something to you. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm, I'm mad. You know what I mean? Like, I got to mm -hmm. leave. But you're not even necessarily recognizing all the time what's actually causing you to actually feel that way. Right. You're just kind of like, OK, I know this is what I do. I know this, this is my peace of mind. This is how, where I go, whether it's the lake. For me, it's literally hanging out with my dog. You know what I mean? Like it, it can be whatever you want it to be, but it really starts with awareness because like all the mental skills are helpful. And like, when I was trying to think of the question, I was like, it, I, I, I got to say all of them, but if I had to pick one, like you need to be aware first and foremost, and then everything follows. And then you can start to figure out what works for you and what you need more balance of. And, you know, like we're talking about the mental hygiene, like, do I need to take a break from social media? You know what I mean? Do I need to yeah. stay away from that friend that's just being really toxic or not trying to hear my concerns right now because they don't, you know, approach me in the way that I need them to, you know, like that really starts with awareness for me, first and foremost. Yeah, it's fact. I mean, like kind of something you said kind of uh, like rang home with me, like um, part of that is just the PTSD, like, like, like something happening to you and you just being so receptive to it. Like, so like just, just not receptive, reactive to it, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just something that kind of just innate is just in you because of how you were, how, how you were raised or the environment you were, you were raised in, you know? And um, that's something that like, for sure, like myself, like inner city athletes, just inner city people in, in general, you know, like they go through that every day, 
you know, like every day, especially like, you know, like I'm from Galloway and Scarborough, like, like Jamaica, oh, wow. yeah. New York, like everywhere has that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that PTSD is very, very real. And not knowing how you got somewhere is mm-hmm. a big thing, you know, like I talk to a lot of people all the time and they're like, yo, I was here at one point, I got mad and this happened. And they all know like how to connect that piece. Like even in my day-to-day life, like when, I, when I'm at work and with the kids and stuff, like they're so reactive because they don't know how to kind of be aware of, okay, this was going on. This is how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. This is where I am. And this is how I can best uh, kind of react to this to, to make a, uh, a good choice, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I want to, sorry, I like, yeah, I want to say something so quickly because I, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, that's just part of our culture. Yeah. You know 100%. what I mean? Like, yeah. I literally used to listen to my parents say like, you know, uh, like, stop crying or else I'm going to give you something to cry for. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so all you're learning about hey, your like, mom and my mom was the same. same <laughs> yeah, mom? No, actually it was my dad. It was my dad. <laughs> oh, okay. so dad and my yeah. mom. Mom, so dad, everybody. My, same thing. Uh, my dad's from Jamaica. So they might they might have been, you know, in the same area at the time. But yeah. it was it's really it's really just like it's what they hear, it's what they learn. And on top of that, like we've all sort of identified, they don't even know how to handle a mental health crisis. They don't even know how mm-hmm. to deal with, you know, because anything because that would require them to kind of be aware and to say you know what like is this am I actually helping my child right now by like telling them that if they have a mental health concern like they should just go in their room or um, I'm just going to beat them because as research continues to show like PTSD you can literally get PTSD from being beaten as a child you Mm -hmm, know what I mean so it's just like there's so many things and you're like beating your kid you're sending them to their room to deal with all of this stuff and then then you don't learn right you don't learn as as an adult as you get into adulthood how to even build any sort of awareness anyways you know what I mean it just becomes a vicious cycle it's it's continuing to pass on traumatic experiences that they dealt with so they can only recognize what they've dealt with and then it's moving on and I think one of the good things about what we're facing and what we're seeing more in this generation and, and for the future generations is the fact that we're starting to recognize that that is what is happening. And they're slowly trying to break the cycle. And one of the things that I can be proud about with working with uh, and previously working with children out here is the fact that they were starting to promote the whole fact of social emotional learning, which is a very mm-hmm. important thing because it takes away, it takes it away from just them understanding that there's only four or five major emotions, but really there's 400 emotions that they don't even know how to identify and getting them to identify, going back to your awareness, getting them to identify what is what they actually are feeling. Cause yeah, they might be angry, but that angry anger could just come from hunger. So now you're understanding the root of it. Now you're starting to break down that that's the emotion you're facing is not anger. It's hunger. Now, you know that now let's build on that. And that, I think these are the stuff that is going to start helping the next generation because we are really trying a lot. A lot of people are really trying to promote that the fact of social emotional learning. Sure. Um, what what advice um, would you guys um, give to someone who is dealing with or is currently battling depression? You want to take this one? Yeah, sure. I'll start. I'll start. Um, first and foremost, like we've kind of alluded to so much, like please don't let anybody tell you that it's not a big deal. You're fine. You'll get over it. Suck it up. Like all of these things that I hear over and over again that make me cringe. Like if you feel like you need to reach out and talk to somebody, please do it. Okay. Because I think too far and too often do we hear like mental illness is weak and we don't outwardly say it because all everything's pointing towards the opposite of that. But in our cultures and especially in like Honestly, even like the Asian, like I have a lot of Asian friends who grew up very similarly. I feel like cultures outside of North America um, tend to kind of um, frown upon like mental illness, not necessarily mental health because it's not the same thing, but mental illness is like an issue. You'll get over it. I dealt with it. 
I like we talked about that generational like well it happened to me so it, like and look I'm still here so you'll get over it I, I don't like that um the other thing is that I think it's actually really courageous and strong to be able to persevere and push through and be resilient despite dealing with a mental health concern so if you do have a mental illness it is not some form of like now I'm a weak person this is me being weak, what's wrong with me? It's actually very strong to be able to constantly be in fear of something and do it anyways, to mm-hmm. constantly be worried about, you know what I mean? What are people going to think of me and still go out and, and you know, do that podcast or, you know, perform at your best level. Like, I think mm-hmm. that is amazing. Um, and just the last thing that I want to say, because this is also something that's huge for me is please, when you're trying to reach out to somebody, if it's not a professional, please reach out to somebody who is emotionally available. Like we kind of talked about your parents might not be the person to go to, to say, Hey, you know what? I think I'm struggling with depression or I'm Uh depressed right now, or Uh I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety. I think I need to go talk to somebody, make sure that you kind of ask that person if they are emotionally available and then proceed to kind of tell them because you, you know, vulnerability is amazing, but it shouldn't be shared with everybody. And unfortunately, sometimes that does mean your parents. So um, mm-hmm. those are my kind of pieces of advice. Those are some really good advice right, right there. Really good advice, that's yeah. facts. Yeah, that's facts. That, that's a drop the mic moment. And then that's she's going to walk on. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's like, facts, man. Right, now we're going to go after that. Um, honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I probably will reiterate a lot of what you just said. Um, Definitely the whole notion or stigma around um, mental health or our mental illness is the biggest obstacle, I think. Asking for help is probably the hardest part, I think, because starting anything is definitely hard and you have to kind of fight all those like uh, socialization, those social ideals, those norms that we've kind of been conditioned to to think. Um, But speaking from someone who's um, gone through depression, I think anyone who has had depression in some capacity, overcoming that is such a win. Like it takes Mm -hmm. a certain level of strength and determination and resilience. So for someone to belittle that, I'm just like, damn, that's, that's wow. Cause it's very much like it's, it's huge. It's a big deal. And it's, it takes a lot of strength and resiliency to do. Um, and unfortunately, when we think of um, any form of illness or disability, if we can't see it, then it's not real. And yeah. um, it almost get, takes away that um, validity to it, but it is valid. It's, and I think even just conversations like this and representation is huge. Cause I remember my dad telling me like, yo, being depressed is a white people illness. Like he literally. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, yes. So just having representation um, helps because now you're able to reach out um, to people who might look like you might have a little bit more empathy towards you and you can connect with and you might feel more comfortable to talk to them. Because like I said, um, being vulnerable, a lot of people like my biggest thing when it came to therapy was why would I tell someone who doesn't care about me my deepest, darkest thoughts? Like mm-hmm. that to me did not make sense at mm-hmm. all. Um, mm-hmm. But I I learned that sometimes it's a balance, you know, finding a support system, like Naomi said, that have the capacity to support you, but then getting the tools from the professional to implement um, into your day-to-day life, right? Like you don't have to disclose right away. Like this is my, these are my Mm -hmm. thoughts. It's more like I'm feeling like this. Mm -hmm. And then from that, here are the tools I can give you. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, I'm feeling this and this is why I'm feeling like this. And this is what I went through as a child. Like it doesn't ever, you are in control, right? So when it comes to a therapist or any clinician, they are there to give you tools, but they're not there to, end of the day heal you I think when we think of uh depression or mental health we we are in full control and what we do um and what we take away from these services is really like what we end up what we end up taking away so um if you go to therapy you only get as much as you take away so mm-hmm. I think a lot of therapists will say like no, I'm not here to heal you or to cure you. I'm just here to give you the services and tools and you choose to do what you choose to do with these things. So I think that's really important. And um, 
I think taking care of all other aspects of your wellness too, right? The mental is important, but like making sure you're moving your body, making sure you're eating, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure you're sleeping. Sleep is a huge thing that people overlook. Um, you know, having a healthy sleep schedule, um, you know, looking at wellness as a more holistic approach, um, spirituality, all that. Like, I think understanding that mental health is interconnected to your overall health, um, is important in looking at it and more holistic approach too. Another drop the mic moment right there. I tell you, this is, this (laughs) is. <laughs> I, I think what I think all that advice that both of you guys just gave is really important, and I hope that yeah. all our listeners who are listening to this actually takes it in and realizes that every day you can do something to work on your mental health. So just put put a form of practice in, and then start increasing it from there till you are at the better you. Yep. So I got one random question for everybody before we get to the final part. Uh, this just came to mind while while you guys were speaking. Um, so everybody has like a go-to song. What is a song that you find yourself going to? Not every day, but you realize that you end up going back and playing that same song maybe every week or every two weeks. I know exactly which one my own is. So I'll tell you my own to start it off. So you guys have some time to think about it. Uh, first would be hers damage. I don't know what it is about that song, but that song is just amazing to me. Uh, two would be Erica, but Badu's on and on. And three would be three. I have three. Damn, you ask, ask for a lot right now, man. No, you can yeah. only give me one. I'm giving you guys time to think of Damn. one. Whoa, whoa. I got want? two. No, I want three. I got two. I you have three? three. Damn. Damn. Okay, got, if, you, three. if you have three, then have three. And then um, <laughs> the third one, to tell you the truth, it's not even just one song. It's an entire album. It's a Snow Allegra, Snow Allegra Feels. It's cheating. So, Mm. Those are my three. Those are my like three. fifteen songs. Mm. All right, cool. I got oh, fifty on, go-to man. songs. Oh, come on, man, you cheating? Wow, che- cheating? No, no. All right, so I got two off the bat. My my one, not necessarily because of the lyrics of it, just the beat is like something that I can bump in my car, in my radio. It doesn't matter where I bump it; it just kicks. Any up, eh? Nah, 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 nah. Drake <laughs> pound cake. Drake pound cake. Oh, okay. Okay. It, it, it don't matter where I hear that song. Once that beat hits, I'm like, okay, I'm in it. Like, is this as a former athlete? Is it something that it just clicks in my head? I'm like, wherever I am, I'm ready to go. Um, yeah. That's one. And then my other one would be uh, J Cole, Middle Child. That's my second one. Oh, so those are those are two. Good one. Yeah, those are two that no matter where I am, if I hear it, like it just it just puts me in a zone. I'm just ready to go, and just it just yeah. Turns me up, or turns me up, turns me down. It just, it just wherever I needed that moment, it gives me that, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are two. I don't have three though. Sorry, yeah. man. My yeah. bad. My <laughs> bad. Okay, I I can go next. Um, yeah. let me just preface this by saying it does depend on the mood that I'm in. Um, okay. because I I feel like I'm very like multifaceted. I like a lot of different music. Like I love uh J Cole. I loved Pop Smoke. Like, I actually loved his music. But I'm actually such a big Soka head. Um, so here oh, is man. my top three right now. Don't don't shake uh, your head. You don't no, even, you don't he, even he, know. No, no, he wants no, to say he, something he, about he, me. He, he, he wants to say something about me. That's what he, it is. Because yeah, I'm like, Guyanese. No. He wants to say nah, something he, about he, me. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> like Soka. He doesn't I'm like Soka at all. So. so yeah, he's a so. hater. That's, he's, that's yeah. fine. You don't you don't have to like what I like, but I'm Jamaican <laughs> yeah. and I like I like Soka, okay? Mm-hmm. Um so number one right now, I don't know why, but ever since the Super Bowl, blinding lights by the weekend has been stuck mm. in yeah, my head. It's stuck. It's yeah, I it's can't stuck. it's stuck. I yeah. can't. Hmm. I, I listen to it on repeat on the radio life. too. Yeah, yeah. Flow like 935 plays it like every all the time. Yeah, it's, one of those songs, <laughs> it's one of those songs that, 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 are, that are just stuck. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Um, so that's number that's my number one song that's stuck in my head right now. Um, number two is uh Coffee's Toast. Um, mm-hmm. I absolutely love that song. My mom got married in Jamaica and that song was just blasting and okay. it just reminds Tough. me of like all the good times. A good times. time. A good time, yeah. Yeah. Time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love basically anything by Chance the Rapper. 
um but um oh my gosh all night his song all night i don't know what it i like is. i like that i like that song i don't okay. know what I, like literally word for word doesn't matter what i'm doing i could be in the worst mood i will literally start going nuts like that is that's my favorite tough song. you see I think it just me, has, like i think it has that upbeat tempo to it that's the reason why like it it's say, yeah it's kind of has a it's not uh like the weekend one but it's still such it's such a happy song it's a happy I know, but, song. See, but I think for me, it's Chance himself. Like when he says, uh, is you or uh, is you ain't got yeah. gas. Like I was yeah. like, I am like. <laughs> in it, in it, in it. It's, it's yeah, tough. He, he gets me too hyped. So that's like with, my with, favorite. With me, like it's not about the, like it's not necessarily about the words to me. Like, yeah, like I, I rock with the lyrics mm-hmm. and stuff, but it's just the, yeah. the, the, the vibe or the feel that I get from listening to it. That's what it is for any song. So like, so so you saying toast is just that first like first dun, 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 like that yeah, first part. Yeah, you hear, like, like, okay, yeah, you're like I'm in. Like you know, it's just certain parts of like it's just a vibe for me. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, agreed. All right. How about you, Baz? Damn. Okay. So honestly, I feel like it. It's okay. So I have like my go-to songs. They will always be my favorite and then like i'll always have like a song that's stuck in my mind so okay now the current song that's stuck in my mind is good days by sizza like that mm. gets played mm. on loop after <laughs> i'm like well then came out like today or the day or yesterday i'm like oh, why she gotta do this <laughs> but um i'm very much like a 90s early 2000s r&b um and so my favorite one of my favorite songs not favorite but one of my favorite um is only you by 112 um and i like the remix with i think it's uh biggie yeah biggie and mace yeah biggie and mace so i love that like i can't help but be happy when i hear that song um and then i guess my third one it keeps literally my brains list like it's changing. I can't make up its mind. Um, I would say probably I want to say changes by J Cole. I don't know why that came to mind, but like that's a that's okay. a good one. It's a good yeah, song. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I love a, I love J Cole. So yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, for Time me. For all three soca songs. There we go. No, I'm not. Nah, it's gonna be I'm three nods. Nah, it's tracks. okay. You can you can tell me. I'm with you. No. I love that. You guys, are, you guys are probably be surprised by the ones I pick. So I said three nods tracks. So listen. No, I'm not nods. Not gonna not gonna listen one nods. Um, climax by Slum oh, sure. Village. Slum, oh, Slum Village. Village. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Slum Village. Okay. I love that song. Okay, um, okay. I don't know if y'all remember this group, Camp Low. Yeah, Cooley High, yep. Lucci, yep. like yeah, Cooley High. I, that's one of my favorite songs. Cooley High. You need to come inside and check low, relax yourself, and let the here we go. Low. Here we go. Yo, Funk Flex, drop a bomb on that one right there. We go. DJ Fan. Here well, we go, man. Yeah, those are the songs I always come back to. Love those tracks. Okay, okay. And that's the best way to end off this episode, but we can't end it off without getting to promote our social medias and anything else that we might be working on, because I know, Bass, you said you have a podcast there. So so, uh, let's start with you. Why don't you kick it off? Okay, so yeah, I do have a podcast. Um, You can find me or the podcast at Call Me Crazy Pod. Um, It basically looks at like reclaiming the stigma around mental health and wellness specifically uh, for the BIPOC community. I would, I always kind of say it's um, mental health for the culture. So I'm your mental health plug if you guys ever want to connect. Bars. Um, And then if you want to see my social media platform, which I'll still have like mental health stuff, but then I'm also low key a sneakerhead. So I'll post a one. (laughs) That's what's up. (laughs) <laughs> at be for real so that's b-e-e-f-o-r-e-a-l and yeah hit me up anytime thanks for having no, me no, no, no problem thank, thank you all ours. naomi yeah um i do not have my own podcast i'm sorry guys but um <laughs> you never know I, I, one day you never know one day man honestly it was on my to-do list and like my to-do list has gotten 
longer and Long? it's gotten <laughs> all right get, okay oh. so this is, what, this is what we can say you both are our resident mental health people so if we ever have more future episodes we know exactly who we're going to yeah for sure <laughs> yes yeah um but yeah for sure instagram i'm really really big on instagram and twitter um it's just naomi james so n-a-o-m-i j-a-m-e-s underscore mpc um and i post a lot of stuff obviously related to performance, but um, I'm a really big believer that everybody can benefit from sports psychology skills. So I post a lot of tips and tricks. Um, So follow me if you'd like. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. For sure. Thank you. You for being coach. Uh, Yeah, my IG is um, real deal underscore Francis. Uh, Yeah, they just started opening things up here in Alberta. So Hopefully we got a season coming up this year. We're allowed to we're allowed to get in the gyms now, so things are looking good. I know Saint FX just had a game the other night, about uh, exhibition game. So like it's trending in the right right, right direction. That we're gonna have some ball this year. So fingers crossed. And that's all I'm working on. That's it. Oh, merch coming out. Well, merch is out. It's being delivered and stuff as we speak. So yeah, merch. Dope, Dwayne. Um, you guys could just follow me on my Instagram. It's Chaz C H A S underscore Tenenbaum T E N E N B A U M. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Cabby, as for me, hey, Cabby approved. <laughs> Cabby certified. <laughs> Cabby certified. Cabby approved. And as for me. I always tell people I go last because I have the most things to promote. So uh, make sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Senator. Uh, don't forget to check out the Not So Soft podcast with myself, Nino Rockwell and Kino the Great. Don't forget to check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash it's the senator. I DJ on there every Tuesday, Thursday and Sundays from six to eight mountain time, eight to ten Eastern time. Uh, don't forget to follow the chat room podcast on Instagram at the dot chat room pod. Don't forget to like rate share and subscribe to the chat room podcast, wherever you listen or watch. So we're on YouTube, we're on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, tune in, iHeartRadio, podcast addict, anywhere where you can find podcasts. That's where you'll find the chat room podcast. And if you have any questions that you wanted to sh- send out to our guest or even to us, make sure to send it to our email at thechatroompod at gmail.com. So that's it for the plugs for me. But um, before we end off, once again, want to say thank you very much. It was such an honor to have both of you guys on for this one. I hope you enjoyed your time on this podcast and hopefully we can have you on further down the line. Thank you you for for having me. Yes, it was so fun. Yep, did it. And this has been the Chat Room Podcast, your favorite baller's favorite podcast. And we are out. Peace. Peace.